0: Legend says that a crystal skull was stolen from a mythical lost city in the Amazon, guarded by the living dead. Whoever returns the skull will be given control over its power. You will find it. Come on. No!
1: Sir! I think I'd cover my ears if I were you.
0: jones rated pg-13
1: hello and welcome to unloved sequels the podcast that brings you a blow-by-blow critique of hollywood's worst rated sequels you know the ones that some people think should never have been made We're your hosts, Michael, say hello. Hello! And I'm Claire. In this episode, we're heading off for an adventure we may or may not be too old for, only to end up having a run-in with a bunch of weird men from another dimension. Which sounds awfully like I'm about to drag Michael back to one of the clubs we used to frequent in our 20s. But fortunately for everyone, that was so long ago, they're pretty much all closed now. Michael, we were all convinced. This was a franchise killer, yet here we are, just a week from another instalment hitting the cinema. What's the movie?
0: So you're right, Claire, we're going on an adventure with a father and son to find the truth, whether we are really alone in the universe or just cashing in on a dead franchise. This is Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull.
1: I can't yeah. believe you convinced me to do this.
0: We had to do it. We had to I know. To do we it. had to. Too.
1: We had to. They're making
0: a new one. It might be good. Well, you know how I felt about this movie and everybody's gonna it... find out how I felt about it Well, movie. yes.
1: Yes. Well.
0: So, but let's just get on with the show and we'll explain That's... at the end of this what we how we all feel emotionally towards the Crystal Skull. It opened on the 22nd of May 2008. Yes, guys, it's the 15th anniversary.
1: Always good when they leave 15 years between episodes of a franchise movie. Yeah, they need to get
0: Harrison Ford into the right age group so that he can can change the scenery. (laughs) (laughs) It went on to take 790 million against a budget of 185 million. Oh, extremely successful.
1: That's that's a good pocket money.
0: This is actually the highest-grossing Indiana Jones movie out of I, all of them. So, but was it
1: all in the first couple of weeks, and then people kind of reviews came in and it tailed off? Or I no, guess you review, probably don't
0: the, know. That. The, the, no, the Rotten Tomato scores. We can we can quickly cover that now. The critics Rotten Tomato score for this movie is seventy-seven percent. What? (laughs) Are you serious? Do you know this is the
1: first one? I think this might be the first episode we've ever done where I've not looked up the Rotten Tomatoes score. Because you're so convinced it was because I know you always mention it. And I just thought, well, I don't need to because I know it's gonna be 70 what? 77%
0: critics and 53% audience. (laughs) Okay so yeah so that that i i i i was like oh i can believe that claire's like no i couldn't believe that i know so so just for comparison looking back at the box office and i thought it'd be fun to look at how budgets have extravaganted this that's a new word that's a good word
1: (laughs) extravaganted this week on michael invent's new words
0: this like how budgets have exploded with this franchise so I thought I'd look back at budgets and box office for the other three movies as well so Raiders of the Lost Ark made 389 million against an 18 million
1: budget so a tiny tiny budget had a great return yes. but also that was a huge amount of money in 1981
0: yes in 1984 we got Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom that cost 28 million to make, and we got back three hundred and thirty-three million. So it took less okay. money, more money to make. They were really disappointed mm. in those figures. Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade took was 48 million to make. Most of that was probably Sean Connery's <laughs> salary. Probably. Probably. And that went on to make 474 million. So wow. like
1: and then this one made 790. So that's a massive jump. That's four hundred. That's It's a huge... More. I mean, it, there's a big period of time in between. So obviously inflation... I mean, assuming those figures that you've just given are not adjusted for inflation. No, they're not. They're not. They're, that's how they... That's how so they that's are. a big fact. But even still, in terms of percentage return, that's huge yeah. compared to oh, the other massive. movies. It's massive. I'm quite surprised. Well, I think it's also
0: it's because... It's that generation thing. And I think that explains why we're getting the dial of destiny now, because people grow up with it. And it's that age group thing. I think my parent, my dad grew up, he was in that right age to watch in his 30s, Indiana Jones, the first few of them. And I was brought up with them later on. Mm. And that now my like, my nieces and nephews are watching them with their parents. You know, it's that kind of. Thing yes, it's kind down. of become like a generational thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's become like a Star Wars thing. That's what I'm trying to do with it.
1: Yes. I used to love these movies, so now I'm inflicting them on my children.
0: Yes, it's a form of torture, but, you know.
1: <laughs> and the
0: thing is, I look at Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull like I look at Phantom Menace. You know, I think if you showed that to a kid today they would find that far more entertaining than any of the other ones because it's aliens and they can relate to it. We don't really talk about Bible stuff. So I'm always quite, you know, if you're showing it to a kid, start the other mm. way and go backwards. Um, Also, I have a theory why this movie made so much money. Because so many girlfriends went to watch this movie in the movie theatre with their boyfriends because the following week, Sex and the City came out the movie. So
1: I think it was I'll watch Indiana Jane with you. They were were getting the tit for tat lined up. Yeah. What girls wanted to take their boyfriends to see Sex and the City movie? Surely... And we're being very heteronormative here, but if we, yeah. if we're doing that, surely all those girls just went with other girlfriends. Surely yeah. no one made their straight boyfriend go and watch a Sex and the City movie. Like even my husband didn't see those movies in the cinema. No, but you've
0: also got to understand is that you are a you are a creature that has lots of gay friends and a very heteronormative unheteronormative husband compared to most people that go into a, he- a heterosexual But that's what I mean.
1: My husband is is campus tits at times, but even he uh, wouldn't uh. go and see Sex in the City in the cinema. I think he's seen them both at home yeah. since, but I don't think he went to see them in the cinema. Well, but, but but if he did, he went without me, and that's even weirder.
0: But a lot of females will lose touch with their, when they're in a strict relationship, they'll lose touch with their friends and stuff to focus on their oh, boyfriend.
1: That's sad. That's it's sad.
0: very sad. Just need to Get some just girlfriends get some
1: to go and see shit girlfriend movies with.
0: Who do you go? With? Do you have any girlfriends that you go cinema with? I have girlfriends. But do you go cinema with them, or do you just get no? Drunk? I, no, you I go, go and pop. get drunk
1: with them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. I don't like the cinema. So, too many people.
0: He does like the cinema, everyone. So it went on to make a further 110 million within 20 weeks on DVD sales. When it came on time release. Wow. So I'm starting
1: to question why we're uh, doing this movie on this podcast. I think we might have got our remit wrong.
0: Because people now think this is the worst one out of all four. People don't even like to
1: talk about it. I mean, you say people, like that doesn't include either of us. No. but It might not include one of us, but it does include the other one of us. Well, I
0: was watching... um, Have you ever heard of a YouTuber called Grace... Grace Rand Rudolph Randolph I forgot her name she has a YouTube channel and she has like movie maths and stuff and she was talking doing a breakdown for the new trailer for Diana Destiny and mm. she talked through the previous ones and then she went and then we have Crystal Skull but we don't discuss that one that one doesn't exist and I was like oh, yeah does everybody feel like this is this what we should be yeah. covering on the podcast
1: everybody feels like this oh well I don't but apart okay. from you clearly but yeah I'm pretty sure every like literally uh-huh. every person in the world apart from you and 70 however many percent of critics on rotten tomatoes
0: weirdly <laughs> it ended number two in the worldwide chart box office chart of 2008 sandwiched between the dark knight and kung fu panda what great company um this was also I like both the... those
1: movies <laughs>
0: okay this was also the year of another unloved sequel that we've already covered can you guess what it is Claire?
1: I know what it is, and I've forgotten.
0: We've covered it. I can't remember.
1: I know. I know, because when I was looking at stuff, I was like, oh, that's the same year as this. And I can't remember.
0: The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon.
1: Yes. Yes, and I do know that because someone who was part of the creative team or the, the crew for the first three movies in this franchise couldn't be involved in this because they were making The Mummy.
0: And Good I bet he doesn't Making discuss it. It's a better
1: movie. <laughs> it's not a better movie. It's a worse
0: movie.
1: <laughs> mm. Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah, it is. Mm. Uh, this was also the year of another Unloved sequel that we should cover in the future. X Files, I Want to Believe. I don't what think is... I've seen that.
1: I was never really into X Files. Oh, I used to love it when I was a teenager. Well, I have to watch the whole TV series if we cover no, the movie for the just thing, the though. first movie. It's like, like some
0: York notes. You... You would like the sequel because it stars Billy Connolly as Ooh. a retired paedophile priest. I got that oh. right. I can't remember. But he he feels like he, he's he got like psychic powers, I think. I can't remember. It was a bit fucked oh. up. But it might be interesting to watch. It, it It's like a, it's they're both retired and they both get back together to solve this. Like, okay. completely bombed. It completely bombed. The critics hated it. Oh, really? It was awful. It really was hated. I saw it in the movie theatre. Mm-hmm. I quite liked it. Of oh, course, you did. Crystal Skull. It currently sits at sixty nine at the all time sequel box office, just in front of Deadpool two.
1: As in, higher than Deadpool two. Yeah. It's rated as a better movie. Made than more
0: Deadpool money. 2. Made more
1: oh, okay. money. Uh, okay. Okay. sixty nine of all
0: the of all the sequels that have been made, sixty nine for a fourth in the franchise of a we thought was dead, fra- dead. You know, sequel. Yeah, like, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. Also, kudos to you for saying 69 so many times without making a joke. Well oh, done. Very no, proud. I'm
0: going like to have to go back and edit the things in. I'm joking. I'm not going to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it works, edit in some smut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: So, Claire. Yes. I'm kind of dreading to ask this question,
1: but do you have any behind the scenes stuff for? I do. I do. I, I feel like every episode you go, Oh, this is gonna take ages, isn't it? And I go, Yes, yes, it is. I maybe I it's a like pattern.
0: Should, I feel like we should just start throwing in some fun size episodes of those straight to DVD ones we did last year just to speed up the. So episodes. there's nothing for me
1: to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, I think it's it's half of the course with unloved sequels, if that's your topic, yeah. A lot of the reason that a sequel might not have worked so well is quite often because it's got a complicated production history. Yeah, and there's I been agree. a lot of stuff going on before it's even got into to full production so i think that's why plus i love to talk so this is why my bits get really long i'm going to be as quick as i can though i so, imagine
0: i imagine with this film there's too many fist, people fisting that pie at the same time to kind of like produce something
1: i mean was... yes this the i mean the pie got passed around
0: if if that's the <laughs> analogy left... we're using
1: it got passed around the room over a period of many many years I feel bad for the pie. <laughs> and what we have in this movie is the the messed up pile of crust and filling. that was <sighs> Whatever what that filling is, I don't finished. want it. I meant pie filling. I didn't mean anything else. What are you talking about? I thought we were fisting the pie. Nothing else. This isn't the American thing. pie. Anyway. Oh, yeah, that's true. Go. <laughs> cast and creative team on this movie. So in terms of returning cast, we have two returners from earlier in the franchise. Obviously, we have Harrison Ford back as Indiana Jones for his fourth run as the character. And we have Karen Allen back as Marion Ravenwood. She's returning from the very first movie in the franchise. So we haven't seen her for two movies. She's back now for the fourth instalment. Can I, in I just ask new- you, before yes. we move
0: on, this is a good yeah. point, because you're into, you're talking about this character. Now, so, Raise the Lost Ark... Mm-hmm. Is in chronically order, yeah, Temple of Doom comes, be- even though the sequel to the Raiders of the Dark actually takes place before Raiders of the Last Dark. Is that correct? Correct.
1: Yes. So that's so, why we have Raiders... back
0: to her as a love interest and not using the woman from Temple of Doom.
1: Yes. Okay. I believe that is the case because, uh, and I didn't know this until we, I was re watching for this. Um, that yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark is set in 1936. Temple of Doom is set, although it it came out, what, two, three years later, it was set in 1935. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Last Crusade is 1938. And then here we are in 1957 for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So yes, so the most recent love interest, obviously the most recent love interest, um, Elsa from Last Crusade, is dead. So she ain't coming (laughs) back. Uh, So then we go to the previous movie in the chronology of the storyline which is actually the first movie of the franchise Raiders right. of the Lost Ark uh, and so the love interest is Marion. Right. In terms of new characters we have got Kate Blanchett in as Irina Spalco, we've got Sheila Berth as Mutt Williams, we've got Ray Winston as George George Michael, it says. I don't, but I don't know where that name has come from because they call him Mac in the whole movie. They put, it's not probably Michael. It's spelled slightly differently, Michael, yeah. Mitchell. I don't know. They never actually say his name on screen. He's referred to as Mac yeah. through the whole movie. We've got John Hurt in as Professor Oxley, and we've got a little mini turn from Jim Broadbent as Dean Charles Stanforth, the new dean of the college of the university, yes. because Marcus sadly, is no longer with us. The movie is directed by Steven Spielberg, as were the three previous installments. The the script, so we've got a screenplay by David Kep, who wrote screenplays for Jurassic Park, Mission Impossible, uh, 2002 Spider-Man, Panic Room, Death Becomes Her, 2005 War of the Worlds, but he also did Angels and Demons. He also did Inferno. Yeah. He also did the 2017 Mummy reboot. So it's a bit of a mixed bag in terms of. I like. I mean, they're work. all quite commercially all quite successful yes. movies, but in terms of general popularity, quite up and down. Yeah. Obviously, George Lucas worked on the the story and created the original characters, and Jeff Nathanson also worked on the story with George Lucas. He uh, did story work on uh, Speed Two, Rush Hour Two, Catch Me If You Can terminal rush hour three again quite a mixed bag in terms of general popularity and we've got john williams back doing music for this movie as he has done through the franchise previously icon absolute icon so in terms of the production process for this movie we're going to go all the way back very briefly to 1979 (laughs) (laughs) so before we had uh even the first Indiana Jones movie, before Michael or I were twinkles in our parents' eyes. Uh, in fact, no, not in 1979. I was more than a twinkle in my parents' eyes. I was a baby in my mum's belly, but we weren't born. I wasn't, just to point out, 10 months All later. right, thank you. We're still in that brief <laughs> window of the year in which I am technically older than you by a full year, even though I'm not older than you by a full year. Anywho. In 1979, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg made a deal with Paramount Pictures for five Indiana Jones films, which sounds a little bit bonkers, but I found that information in a couple of places. So I think it is true. That, that... What's nuts about that is how much at that
0: time Spielberg used to go on about how much he hated sequels. So yes. he had to sign the five
1: a five movie, movie, movie deal. deal oh, yeah, it's, weird. it's it. I don't know. It seems weird, but apparently that is the case. But once Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade had been released in 1989, George Lucas wasn't really sure where he wanted to take the franchise from there for the fourth instalment. So the franchise, the movie franchise, went on ice Mm. and instead he started work on the prequel TV series, The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which was brilliant. I loved it.
0: What is coming to Disney Plus soon? So it's. So Very that'll be coming up. I'll that. be box watching. What, box watching? Is that a thing? No. Binge watching,
1: Grandad. That's, that's what word. the kids call it. Binge, binge watching. watching. Thank you. Down with um... kids. <laughs> You won't be able to tape it, though. It's only on <laughs> streaming.
0: Oh, can I pause it? I need to go to the toilet. Is that okay to pause? <laughs>
1: you can still pause oh, it, okay, yes. Okay. But good, Video Plus good, won't good. work. Okay. So as the series of Young Indiana Jones aired, there was an episode where Harrison Ford came in for a cameo They did, they kind of set it as like a flashback thing. So Harrison Ford was narrating as Indiana from 1950, talking about what had happened to him in 1920. And so when they were shooting this, which was around 1992, I think, it kind of popped into George Lucas's head, the idea that actually they could move the franchise into the 50s and have an older Indiana Jones and set it then. And then from there, his brain did that weird, Thing that i guess only george lucas's brain does and he thought well if we were taking inspiration for the previous three installments from the kind of 1930s saturday matinee serials then for the 50s we need to be looking to 50s movies for inspiration so yeah. he decided he wanted to make it more like a kind of 50s b-movie style and that's how he got the idea of bringing in the kind of um the alien extraterrestrial element yeah into the movie because by the 50s that was a big thing in mm-hmm. movies yeah so that's that was kind of the thought process that got us from religious icons to aliens in the yeah. space of zero movies america well, at that time
0: was really heavily focused alien sightings and also nuclear yeah. war so you like they just kind of like this is the 50s we're going to squeeze everything into this movie. yeah
1: so he basically wanted to encapsulate everything about yeah. 1950s america yeah into this movie and also and, and kind of emulate the 1950s american movies as well harrison ford was not on board with this idea as <laughs> at all he said no way am i being in a steven spielberg movie like that meanwhile steven spielberg who had already been working on alien movies because he'd done Close Encounters of the Third, Third Kind. He'd done E.T., but he also pushed back against this notion of Indiana Jones and the aliens. George Lucas felt that they were kind of missing something in in they didn't really understand the possibilities of the franchise. His thought process was that you can change the genre of the movie and it doesn't need to undermine that kind of central content. You keep the the basic idea of Indiana Jones is looking for an artifact. And as long as you make that MacGuffin something believable and something that has got that kind of archeological connection or a historical connection, mm-hmm. you can kind of change everything else about the movie. You can change the genre of the movie completely. Yeah. So Lucas came up with a story Uh, that Jeb Stewart then kind of worked into a script in sort of 1993 and 1994. Stewart had uh, previously written The Fugitive, which also had Harrison Ford in it. And George Lucas, after he learned that Joseph Stalin was interested in psychic warfare, which was not anything that I'd even heard of prior to seeing this movie, but I guess that's a thing. And it was something that that Joseph Stalin had been interested in. Um, So George Lucas decided that he was going to use Soviets as his villains and the aliens would have psychic powers and that would be the connection. And that's how we got to where we got with Irina, I guess. So after Stuart's next draft, George Lucas hired uh, Jeffrey Boehm, who had written Last Crusade to write the next three versions of the script, which took us up to March 1996. A few months after that, Independence Day was released. So, And Steven Spielberg said to Lucas, he is not going to make another Alien Invasion movie. So George Lucas went, okay, well, then we'll move on from that. And he went and did some work on the Star Wars prequels for a bit. Yeah. Skip on a few years, we get to two thousand. Um, and Steven Spielberg did an interview in which he mentioned that his kids were constantly asking, "When's the next gonna When's the next Indiana Jones film gonna happen?" It was clearly a conversation <laughs> that was happening. And it's this thing again—you, you know, your kids nag you to make a movie, and you go, "Oh, fuck's sake, shut up! I'll make the movie." The um, thing is, what kind
0: of world do you live in when you go? oh, my daughter wants to watch a sequel to Indiana Jones. Let me go and spend. What was it?
1: Uh, 100 and $185, million.
0: <laughs> 185 million to please my fucking daughter. No! Well,
1: you, if gave... you Steven Spielberg, you can, I guess. Oh. So, where have we got? So, we've got up to 2,000. Steven Spielberg's kids are nagging him to make the movie. So, he thinks, okay, maybe we will make the movie. Meanwhile, George Lucas is still trying to push this aliens plot with Spielberg, and he's resisting. So, he's now saying to them, okay, well, let's pitch it as they're not um, extraterrestrial, but interdimensional. And so we're then delving into string theory. I mean, this is like full on complicated science for a yeah. Indiana Jones movie. So then, yeah, so they took the angle of it being interdimensional rather than extraterrestrial. Yeah. So you can see like with each of these little tweaks, we're getting closer and closer to the movie that we ended up with. <laughs> At one point, M. Night Shyamalan was asked to write a script for this movie. Your face is doing what my brain did when I first read that. Um, he was asked to write a script for a planned 2002 shoot, but then apparently he got so overwhelmed with the idea of writing a sequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark that he he just didn't he couldn't do it, and he apparently also struggled with getting um, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford to focus. I think it might have been a clash of styles. Like yeah. I don't instantly think. Yes, George Lucas and M. Night Shyamalan will work well together. I think yeah. it, it just didn't gel. So so he walked away from the project. Um, Stephen Gaghan, who wrote Traffic, Siriana, um, Doolittle with Robert Downey Jr. He was approached. Tom Stoppard was approached. Uh, British playwright, he also wrote Shakespeare in Love. He wrote Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead. They were both approached. Yeah, th- there's a lot of what? weird... What the fuck? And you think, how would how would okay. their scripts have be? I don't know. I can't quite picture it. Anyway, so next we moved on to Frank Darabont, who wrote a few episodes of Young Indiana Jones. He was hired in May 2002. His script uh, was called Indiana Jones and the City of Gods. It's not a bad title, actually, I think.
0: Sounds better than The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, and well, it's Dial of Fucking Destiny.
1: Wow. Oh. Well, well, yes. Anyway, so Indiana Jones and the City of Gods was set in the 1950s, but with ex Nazis as the bad guys rather than Spielberg. Would not want
0: Nazis again. I know that.
1: Well, this is exactly the thing. Spielberg. um, Spielberg didn't really want to get involved with with having Nazis in his movies, having made Schindler's List. So he wasn't keen on. um, I mean, apparently he did love the script, although Lucas didn't. So then ended up taking over writing from Darabont. But um, he wasn't interested in, in in having Nazis in the movie. And also they kind of realised between Spielberg and Lucas that if we're in the 50s, we have to be looking at the Cold War. And really yeah. that makes Soviets more plausible as villains than the Nazis. But
0: not aliens aren't.
1: <laughs> the aliens aren't the bad guys in this movie though, are they? No. The aliens are the, are the, I mean, they're the MacGuffin essentially. I mean, the skull is the MacGuffin, but that you know. Yeah. They are the Ark of the Covenant. They are the mm. the artifact, I suppose, yeah. the aliens rather than being bad guys. So we finally, in August two thousand four, have Jeff Nathanson on board, who is our credited story writer for this movie. So do we're finally. Off, t-
0: do you think he went off and read the uh, this mountain of scripts and went
1: here's some ideas, use them. <laughs> God bless. Anyway, so. August 2004, he came on board and then he turned in his drafts in October and November 2005. So he took his time over writing them. His title was The Atomic Ants, which I think probably comes below Kingdom of the Crystal Skull Um, on my list of suitable titles (laughs) for this movie. There's quite a lot that comes above Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but I think Atomic Ants would come below. And then from there, David uh, took over in terms of the the script writing. His script had the subtitle Destroyer of Worlds, which was taken from a quote from J. Robert Oppenheimer. Uh, the quote is Now I am become Death, the Destroyer of Worlds, um, which actually originally is from Hindu scripture, but um, Oppenheimer used it in reference to his involvement with the development of the atomic bomb. Right. Hence it was applied to this script because it's set against that backdrop of the threat of nuclear war. Get it. However, the title then got changed to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which Spielberg found more inviting as a title. I'm not sure about it being particularly inviting, but it does at least name the MacGuffin. Yes, which a lot of the like the you know all of the other movies. If we look through the 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 movies so far, they mm. all reference in them maybe not the MacGuffin specifically, but they talk about you know raiders of the lost ark the temple of doom it's the last crusade we're referencing the crusader so that yeah the titles do generally link in quite closely to the nature of the adventure or whatever the artifact is that they're going to be looking so um and apparently it was george lucas that was insisted on having the word kingdom involved I still think it's a very wordy title. I think it's the fact that you use Anther twice in it, for me, makes it a bit too much for your mouth to get round. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Too much, for me. They should just call it
0: Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. That's a cool title. Yes.
1: Or Indiana Jones, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Might have. I know they've got the the kind of the history of Anther, but I don't know. I mean, to be fair, the title is one of my lesser issues with the movie. Anyway, by 2006, we're still not there yet. We haven't got a movie Uh, yet. No. 2006, Harrison Ford uh, commented that if this movie was not made by 2008, the filmmakers should drop the idea altogether, which apparently put a rocket up Steven Spielberg's arse. And so they made the damn movie. I think they realised that he was maybe getting bored of waiting for them to make this movie.
0: Spielberg never wanted to make this movie. He was conned into it. Like he didn't want to do it. He did it as a favor. he like? I mean, I guess like, if they. He filmed if, that final scene of the Last Crusade when Indiana Jones and Sean Connery are riding off into the sunset. They,
1: yes, they and literally ride into the sunset.
0: And that, and Spielberg has said, even the documentaries about this movie, Spielberg's being interviewed, and he says, "To me, that was the end of the Indiana Jones story." Absolutely. So he fought But thought then, like if he, they, you know,
1: if they've got a forty-year-old contractor write five to pre- create five movies, yeah, I guess there's a point at which the studio are going, "You're all getting a bit old now. Where are our movies?" Yeah. So there was probably a fair amount of pressure from the studio. They probably got quite a lot of money in 1979 terms. Yeah, to make these five movies, and at this point had only produced three out of five so mm. i think that there, there was probably an element of pressure from the studio as well to like well, where are the movies that we paid for yeah 30 years ago so into onto casting we're now at the point of actually making a movie woohoo, um, woo-hoo! karen allen didn't know she was going to be in this movie until uh steven spielberg called her in january 2007 after the so the movie had was announced and then he rang her and went, Did you hear the announcement? We're making the movie. You're in it. And she was like, I am. Why would I be? Because obviously, as far as she's concerned, she left the franchise two movies ago. So, yeah, like, like imagine if she went, I don't want
0: to do it. You're like, fuck, we've just finished the 100. I know. Can you imagine? Scripts.
1: They finished the script, they announced the movie, and then she's like, I don't want to make the movie. Apparently, they they had quite a tricky relationship. During the filming oh. of the first movie, so she was quite surprised to be invited back. Um, I don't know. He must have been confident if he waited until after it had been announced to yeah. um, to to let her know that she was in it. I guess they must have had something up their sleeve. It wouldn't have been too hard to change things around a little bit, make it some other woman that he'd you know come into contact with and had a child with, or they could have, they on. could have,
0: they could have easily. Swapped her out with the woman from Temple of Doom, and she could have had the child.
1: Yeah, yeah, they would have found a way around it. They would have. Yeah, found they a they way
0: probably around looked at it and was like, "Shalala Buff is this age, so we need the woman from that movie." And if we can't get to make from the that timeline woman, work, yeah, we, we, we'll have to go back to current Steven Spielberg's current wife, and then we'll have to recast Shalala Buff's character. What wouldn't be that much of a bad mistake, <laughs> would it? If they got somebody a little bit older than Charlotte LeBeau,
1: yeah. yeah. maybe. Uh, Sean Connery was approached to be in the movie um, yeah. for a cameo, which he turned down. Um, at the time, he said that he, he was enjoying retirement too much. I mean, I'm pretty sure he made other movies since 2008.
0: So, yeah, retirement
1: can't have been that amazing for him. Um, but he then later, he he admitted that actually it was that the part that they had offered was too small a part for him. It wasn't, um, I think it wasn't worth coming out of retirement for. I think the movies that he made after that were probably a bit meatier for him than this would have been.
0: Well, the film um, he made before that,
1: 1999,
0: he made Entrapment. Great movie. Oh, yeah, I like that movie. 2000, he made Finding Forrester, another great movie. 2003, he made A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So public book. Movie. Oh, there's a
1: tumbleweed.
0: There's a tumbleweed, and then he made two, one movie in 2012 called Sir Bill, and another movie in 2012, a documentary called Ever to Excel. So I don't
1: think he was acting no. that much. So um, he was he was well winding down by that stage, and yeah, yeah, he just I think they just didn't offer him enough of a part to be worth the whole thing, you know, and going and filming on location, and mm. this film, uh. Was not made in the UK. I think all of the previous films were made in the UK, but this one was not. Yeah. So um, I know Sean Connery wasn't necessarily UK based the whole of the time for possibly financial reasons, but you know it would have been for someone of his age, it would have been a big schlep to go off and make a movie to have such a small role in it. So yeah. he he declined, and actually because of the way the movie. Ended up developing We kind of didn't need that role anyway Because the father and son relationship Ended up moving down a generation And you see Indiana taking on Some of uh, Henry Senior's Characteristics and actually if Henry Senior Had been there that might have got in the way Of that anyway Yeah. So um, There wouldn't have been a big part for him In the movie and he didn't want to rock up just for a cameo I think they were talking about bringing him in for the wedding Scene at the end But he didn't want to just Mm come in and film that and be in the background and then off you try Also,
0: the, the age gap between Harrison Ford in and Sean Connery isn't really what they made it out to be in The Last Crusade.
1: This is also true. Yes, so if you it would have been harder back... to pass that off at this stage. In the, yeah,
0: and the, In the 1950s, in the 1930s? Yeah. Is, um...
1: 38, The Last Crusade yeah, so is set. The Last
0: Crusade is 38 and you can kind of like get away with that a little bit more but when now that Harrison Ford is looking like he should be the granddad. And then you've got Sean yeah. Connery. they look
1: roughly the same. It wouldn't work. Yeah. Really I mean, he's 66. Like 66. Harrison Ford is 66 in this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know off the top of the head, my head what the age difference is between them, but it's something teen years. He's Sean Connery isn't old enough to be Harrison Ford's father. Um, no. So he would have been in his what, knocking around 80. And I so think, yes, Sean can...
0: Connery was born in 1930. Yeah. And Harrison Ford was born in 1942, so there's only 12 years. Yeah, ago.
1: so there's 12 years difference between them, which, yeah, they kind of got away with that in in Last Crusade. But I think when you've got a 66 year old and a what 78 year old, you're you're going to look at them and go, mm, yeah, they're the same age, aren't they? You're really. basically
0: doing Mal, Streep and Cher again.
1: And... <laughs> we talked. Considering we haven't covered that movie, we've talked about that quite a lot. So we have no Sean Connery. John Rhys-Davies was also approached to reprise the character of Salah. But again, it would have been a very brief cameo in the wedding scene. um, And he turned it down because he felt that having Salah just in that scene would A, be a distraction for the audience. Having got through the whole movie and then go, oh, there's Salah in the background. And also it would kind of undermine the character a little bit. It would cheapen the character by just having him rock up, having not played any part in the adventure to then yeah. lock up at the wedding, wouldn't fit. So that's why we don't have him in this movie. Mutt Williams, the son, was originally written as a kind of uh, nerdy character. This was before he was conceived to be, uh, Harrison for, uh, to be Indiana Jones's son. He was right. going to be a character in the movie, but there wasn't going to be that connection. And then George Lucas decided to make him Indiana's son, and give him that rebellious character. He basically wanted to make Mutt be what Henry Jones Senior had thought of Indiana. Right. So everything that that we saw Sean Connery feeling about Indiana Jones as his son in the previous movie, we wanted to see, move. as I said, it just moves down a generation into uh, Indy and Mutt. Originally, prior to making the movie, there was talk of having his daughter be in the film rather than it being a son and i think in the in in the young indiana jones chronicles there are bits where uh we see indiana's daughter telling the stories of her father's youth so in the canon his -hmm. daughter exists um and they've kind of ignored that and retconned that and turned it into a son for this movie but apparently at one point natalie portman was rumored to be in consideration as as indiana jones's daughter obviously that didn't happen and we yes, end up I would with like that I'm not sure yeah I, I don't know. know I don't know or they're interesting that they're kind of moving in that direction now for the next movie because although yeah. it's not his she's not his daughter she's his goddaughter it looks yeah. from what I've seen in the trailers like the main companion is going to be that daughter figure yeah to him so interesting that they've kind of swerved back around into that direction so yes quite a complicated Production And mostly to do with just getting the damn script written. It seems to have been quite a painful process getting from the idea to the finished script to the movie. The actual making of Mm. the movie doesn't seem to have been that that complex or traumatic an experience. From what I've watched on sort of behind the scenes documentaries, it was a really smooth shoot. Everyone enjoyed themselves and had a marvellous time. It was just getting that script out of dug out of the ground. In the yeah. first place, so with all of that in mind, yeah, and considering what you've been saying about you know the the financial success of the movie and the critical success of the movie, mm. why why are we talking about it?
0: I think it's just because the a lot of people frown upon this movie as being the for the audience point of view. It's such a sidestep compared to the other entries, mm. like like the fact of it. It's just so off the wall a lot of Indiana Jones films don't, fans don't really believe this is a proper entry into the franchise, like it's their bastard child. And yeah. it's a lot of people don't like this movie. Like There's a lot of dislike out there for this movie. Yeah. It's really badly, you know, and I think they spent so much time trying to fit Indiana Jones into the 19, 1950s American history, when really they didn't stop and think, going, should we? <laughs> and they just... I'm going to be honest with you. My taste in Indiana Jones movies is very different to everybody else's. Mm. Like, I actually don't think, I'm sorry to say this, I don't think Raiders of the Lost Ark is a good movie.
1: <gasps> <gasps> I, find my really,
0: I find it quite boring. Like, for me, I love Temple of Doom the most, but it's kind of got that horror to it. A lot of people don't find that quite uncomfortable to listen to. Um, Yes, I I take
1: this opportunity to point out that um, at time of recording, although it's about to go on to Disney Plus, as we're recording this in the UK, this uh, Temple of Doom is on Sky Movies and includes a disclaimer at the beginning of the movie about the um, the representation of certain cultures and the fact that it is not considered appropriate anymore because this movie is hella racist.
0: Yes, it is. But. I, 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 I,
1: Which is not why Michael likes it. No, I
0: like I like the horror horror element of it. I like the yes. voodoo element of it. I like the dark side of it. Like, and my second favorite in a Jonah film is the Crystal Skull. So <laughs> I kind of like feel so like I'm at the back end of what everybody else feels, um, and that's when, okay.
1: That's, that's okay. okay. I'm
0: fine with that. I'm fine being this individual. I am a host of a podcast called Unloved Sequels. So for me, it's fine for me to like shit sequels because I talk about them all the time
1: yeah um, so what What? tell us what, what do you like in this movie I, I defend I, I, the movie I like the fact it
0: moves along at a really quick pace mm. I like the fact that I'm convinced Kate Banchett watched Yuhuma Thurman in Batman and Robin and just basically did that she, she's, like, <laughs> she's like she read the script and was like this oh is God. campus tits I'm just gonna find me some
1: scenery to chew on. Yes, basically, she is just
0: chewing the shit out of this film, and I love it. I am there for every scene she's in. I like the humor in it. I think it's funny. I like the fact that Spielberg let the ball drop with it as well. I kind of like feel like you sometimes you watch Spielberg films, and they're so well crafted, and there's not Mm. one error, and there's beautiful scenery. Everything is. Like spotless, and then you get kind of like him doing a sidestep, like hook or Mm. or crystal skull, where he's kind of like sandwiched this in between movies, or like the Lost World, the Secret Jurassic Park, compared to Jurassic Park. Sometimes Spielberg drops the ball, but when he drops it, I fucking love it. I just kind (laughs) of like for me, growing up being a massive Spielberg fan, he was like my idol. He was my he was my Mm. god. I adored him as a as a young watching Jaws and Jurassic Park as a kid that he the man could do no wrong and when he screws up I feel like it brings him down to my level a little bit and I can see <laughs> and I felt like while watching this I even like because I remember going actually I remember going to the movie theater to see this with both our husbands in 2008 mm-hmm. we went to in the movie and I walked out of there and I was disappointed so this has been a grower of I remember mm-hmm. all four of us walking out of the movie going Whoa, oh shit that was yeah buff. Like, it has grown on me. And when I was I suggested doing this for the podcast, I thought Claire would come back and say, oh, my God, I quite enjoyed that. It's grown on me. Because I make Claire watch shit movies for this podcast. and You do. And I'm wrong. I, this, this movie has not grown
1: on Claire. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, so here's the thing with me in this movie. Yeah. So like you say, we watched it together in the in the cinema when it first came out and we all came out thinking, what a load of old shite that was. And then yeah. I haven't watched it since until a few weeks ago to watch it for this. And I really struggled with it. and to the point that there were points that I could feel myself starting to fall asleep. I was fighting to keep myself awake through this movie. Mm. And so I thought afterwards, did I give it a fair viewing? Did I actually pick the wrong night to watch it? Was my was I in the wrong mindset? Was I just too tired from whatever? Yeah. Um, was, I, was I just coming into, did I come into it or having already decided it, I was going to hate it because I didn't enjoy it the first time, which I didn't feel like I did. I mean, this has happened before when I went to see, I've been to see movies and I've gone to see it the first time and thought it was shit and then gone back and watched it a second time for whatever reason, Think going in thinking, well, I know this is going to be crap and coming out having enjoyed it because my expectations were lower. Yeah. So I thought that would happen this time and it didn't. And I thought, oh, well, maybe maybe subconsciously I hadn't lowered my expectations. I just went in expecting it to be shit because it was shit last time and it's still shit. So I watched it again. Did you? I did. But I was a bit pushed for time. So I didn't sit down and watch it like I had before. Yeah. I put it on in the background while I was doing other things, I kind of had it in the corner of my mm. laptop screen while I was doing some other bits and pieces. And maybe it's because I was just a bit fresher in my mind that day. Or maybe it's because my attention was split between the movie and something else rather than giving the movie my full focus. Yeah. Quite enjoyed it.
0: Did you? Oh, it was I'm so quite
1: happy. fun. It was it quite is a fun. fun
0: movie. I love the fact, and there's one thing I really do enjoy about all of these movies, even if the worst ones are my favourites, is and I was I went back after recently after Star Wars Day and started watching the original Star Wars movies with A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Mm. And the one thing I've got to say is Harrison Ford can be given the shittiest co-star to be next to. And he will make that person shine. Whoever yeah. he's on sc- he's such a good actor and he doesn't hog the screen. He's such like, and I don't think I realize this. And as I'm getting older, I'm appreciating people that I grew up with that I really took advantage of when I was younger. People like Harrison Ford and Tom Cruise and stuff that, you know, I've watched their careers blossom throughout my, even my lifetime. Mm. and there's so, you don't get actors like that today like you watch movies today and they're like everybody's trying to fight over the screen time to be the yeah, main yeah, yeah. screen focus and with these actors they're not like that they are the focus but they're willing to share the screen time with other people and they make other people look I don't think Charlotte LaBeouf is a great actor at all but
1: no. In Does anyone movie... I'm not sure anyone thinks Shia Buff is a I mean to be fair, he was apparently the only choice to play Mutt. Well, they I didn't consider could... anyone else. They just offered him the part outright. But well,
0: I think it's because he was just coming off of those Transformers movies that
1: he Yeah, watched, he was like, very zeitgeisty at that point, yeah. wasn't he? So I and feel didn't like play out so well.
0: No, like I think Spielberg, he had he said some horrible stuff about Spielberg and Harrison Ford after this movie. Like I think he's yeah. the I think he probably had the biggest ego on the set.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, I
0: think so. I'm not, and I think this is the other thing about this movie, and I think we discussed this, is that a lot of people don't like this movie because they think it's trying to fit aliens into the same category as Nazis and Bible content. A lot of people didn't like that access. But for me, for somebody who is not religious and don't believe in God, I've, I have more faith that there's aliens out there than God ever existed. Yeah. So for me, in yes. my mindset, I don't have that. I don't have a religion. I was born, brought up Jewish, but I don't really believe in any of it. So it's difficult for me to look at these and go, "Well, if Andorra's box or any of these temple, like like any of that kind of stuff, has to be real, but why can't that be real? It just, yeah, you know."
1: Yeah, I get that. I mean, i I don't feel the same as you about nah. that. And yes, we did talk about this a bit because it. It does seem to come down to that thing of of, because all of the movies prior to this, there is that supernatural element. It's become part of the franchise. And so there there has to be that in the movie. And it's whether you can accept that an extraterrestrial element or an interdimensional element can go in is part of the same category as a supernatural element. And for me, it doesn't quite sit together. And I completely realize there's no logic in me saying that, because when you explain it like you just did, that makes perfect sense yeah you know if if there can be a supernatural element to the ark of the covenant if if drinking from the holy grail can yeah. really give you eternal life so long as you don't cross the seal of of the temple where it's stored that if that's all true then why can't the yeah. the supernatural the the extraterrestrial or the interdimensional element be true yet for me it did seem like because you, a stretch you too far up with a lot of that stuff rooted in your, yes in your, yeah so but also like... i think for me it it feels like a mixing of movie genres as well, because it it's mixing sci-fi with action adventure. But for me, the Bible is science fiction. Yeah, no, I completely get that. Because I, com- the, the... I completely get that your yeah. logic is sound. And yet somewhere in the back of my mind, it's going, no, but it doesn't make because... sense. It's not the same thing.
0: Because in your mindset, because you were brought up in a religious household, believing in yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the Old Testament or the New Testament, then that that's... Talk to people who are religious as fact so that's historical fact
1: yes I think that's what it is it's I mean not necessarily historical fact but certainly the the there's mythology yeah um and and yes I guess but to my mind the the extraterrestrial things and uh, interdimensional it that's not a mythology that's a I don't know it just it they don't marry up for me even though I completely see that there's no reason why they shouldn't
0: I thought when they came, when the film came out, I thought it was interesting that George Lucas decided to go down this route with aliens, and with him being the creator of Star Wars, I thought, oh, maybe he's, maybe his religion is Scientology, Scientology, Scientology. Is that the word? Scientology. What? Scientology. That's it. But he's not. He's a Buddhist. What I found fascinating.
1: Oh, I didn't know
0: that. He's a Buddhist. Methodist, whatever the fuck that mm-hmm. I do not know. So, yeah. I good okay, like, for him. And I also think kind of like when this film was in development and what they decided to do, and it had this hell of a long time to make these sequels and what mm. they were planning out to do, I feel like because by the time they actually got around to making it, everything was CGI'd. Now, if that alien at the end and all that stuff was done with puppetry, like the holy grail stuff in the first few, and like, the, like that, kind of like overlay, yeah, 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 yeah. I think people have been, felt very different about this movie. I think because the special effects have moved to all the way down to the CGI level and it wasn't grounded with practical effects, I think a lot of people looked at it and it made it felt more like Independence Day than, than Indiana Jones film. Because imagine it's having kind of like puppetry aliens at the end and things like that. I think people would have been more accepting to it and gone, okay, it looks like the old movies because it's, I think sci-fi. you're right.
1: I think you're right, because to me, it does feel it feels like an Indiana Jones movie until that that kind yeah. of finale. And then when you see the the interdimensional beings, the aliens, whatever you're going to yeah. call them, is when it suddenly it for me, it feels like Takes the movie changes genre and it suddenly becomes a sci fi movie. Having been action adventure up to that point, maybe it's just the transition of introducing that element of it just is a bit clunky for me. I don't know. That- but but yeah, stayed, I think you're right.
0: If, and because those special effects have dated now, like those, the bit when the guy gets eaten by the ants and stuff, looks horrible yeah, yeah, yeah. now compared to what it did in 2008.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's that thing, is that We talked about it before with movies from this period where they thought CGI was really good. So they yeah. leaned into it. And, and now we're, shit. you know, 15 years down the line and we're like, oh, no, that was not good.
0: 2008 didn't seem to work because they fucked up once again, like the mummy like Mm. they lean the mummy the tomb of the dragon they really lean too much in the cgi for that movie with the yetis and you know the fire elements and things like that and they did the same in this movie they should have just stayed practical and i think they've learned that lesson because so many movies now they lean also they they split it it's half cgi half practical yeah yeah. realize they can't replace that realistic practical look like having an alien like that with practical special effect. Because the whole time in this movie, we, I knew what the outcome was re watching it. And I kept thinking to myself, it would be so awesome towards the end of it if they suspected that the crystal skull was from aliens. But when they got there, it wasn't aliens. It's people who just made up this mythology because they believed it. Mm. And it was just, you know, and it wasn't like a magical. That ending. would
1: have been better. I'd have been here for that.
0: Yeah. But then you want to have Kate Blanchett going, I want to see
1: everything. Yeah! yeah I'm not as in love with that as you are <laughs> if i perfectly uh-huh. honest I find her a bit weird in that like I love Kate Blanchett she's fantastic in everything yeah. but I guess maybe yeah maybe you're right she just kind of thought well I know what movie I'm in and I'm just going to enjoy it it's a very different turn from her in this movie than in anything else she, that it, I've it's seen kind her
0: of in. like the the Fast and the Furious of the Indiana Jones movie you know doesn't make any sense it's just lots <laughs> of shit stuck yeah. together it's like the bastard child it's stuck together um it strings together it kind of like makes a coherent sentence because the first half of it and with he, him and the son, and they're in like they get into the, the the fight in the diner and all of that i love all of that it's literally just loses its way towards the end of the movie
1: yeah yeah you're right you are right so, what don't you like in this? Movie? Is that I mean, there must be things. I mean, obviously, you've, I'm you've not talked in about love a, with a few it. aspects. I, yeah, but...
0: I'm not a massive lover of the ending. Like, like I, I just go along with it, and I don't get that offended by it by a lot of people. But mm. I'm, I'm happy it exists. I enjoy it when I watch it. I'd rather watch this than watch, Raid of the Lost Ark.
1: Oh no, <laughs> no, I can't agree with you on that. But you know, that's fine. We all like different things. But yeah, no, I would this of the four that we've seen so far, this would definitely be my least favourite. Yeah. You could take it out of the franchise for me and I wouldn't be sad. There are things in it I like. What do you like? I like that they acknowledge Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones's age and that it's treated realistically. They don't have him because he did a lot of his own stunts in this movie. Yeah. Um they didn't like replace him with a stunt guy who could just suddenly do backflips and all these crazy things that you wouldn't expect of a 66 year old i don't think he did all of the stunts but he certainly did a lot of his own stunt work so the action that you see from indiana jones is quite realistic for someone yeah. of his age likewise i like that i find it weird that they brought marion back i find the whole indie marion relationship a bit i mean there's the ick because we know that their original relationship prior to the first movie was yeah. deeply inappropriate because she was fifteen, he was twenty-seven. That's not okay. So I find it I do find it a slightly odd choice that they've brought her back to be his endgame when their I... relationship should not have happened in the first place.
0: Now I have a that said, th- go on. I have a theory on this. They didn't want to give Harrison Ford a younger love interest at that time.
1: Well, this is the thing.
0: And then they did no one wants to watch him trying to smooch and get off with a woman of his own age because Hollywood doesn't like that, so what do you do? You bring back the woman that he's already been in a relationship with yeah so you, so you don't have to show any of that courting scene you yeah. can just pick it up with you I see
1: that I see the logic in that, and I do appreciate that they didn't give him a young girl to yeah. try and be smooching at at the age of mid sixties. I like that they've given him a a relatively age, if you discarding the fact that their their relationship was completely age inappropriate when it first began.
0: Yeah.
1: At the ages they are now, it is an age appropriate relationship. No, I agree. And she was appropriately dressed. We didn't see her kind of um despite the fact that she gets damseled a lot in this movie, which is a bit of a problem for me. But even when when being captured, she's not suddenly um, you know, they're, they're not gonna princess layer her and put her in a little bikini and tiny little um yeah damsel in distress outfits she's she's appropriately dressed for the situation and for her age throughout the movie their relationship is age appropriate now even though it wasn't then so i really like that i have to say one of my best one of my favorite parts of the movie was when they they kind of threaten you they tease you with with mutt taking over at the end Oh, they the almost give you that uh-huh. sequel hook. And you're going, no, please, no, don't do it, don't do it. And he's like, no, that's my hat, son. And it goes on his head and You're like, oh, okay, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> They're not going to make a whole bunch of Sheila Birth movies. It's okay. <laughs> son of Indiana <laughs> Jones. I was like, no, don't do it. Don't. And, he, you know, yeah. rewatching it, I'd forgotten on my 1st rewatch, yeah, whether they'd done that sequel hook or not. So I did have oh, they that. they definitely that- did. Moment of tension. No, but when I, when, so having not seen it since it was in the, the movie theater to then watch it when I did my first rewatch a few weeks ago, I couldn't remember which way that scene went. So when I saw Sheila Burr reaching for that hat, I was like, no, like <laughs> slow motion Claire running towards the TV, don't do it. So I was very relieved that they were like, no, it's okay. We're not going to do that to you. It's fine. It's still Harrison Ford. I like that. And I like that it's still Harrison Ford. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I find this a tricky movie. I I did enjoy it on my second rewatch when I was doing other things. Yeah, but the fact that I I have to not be giving the film my full attention in order to enjoy it. Yeah, is a bit of an issue. Yeah. I think um, I, it's very much like
0: how it. I how I felt about Phantom Menace and like when they brought back Star Wars and they did Phantom Menace because you're just like, why Why did you do this? I don't see what you're. Well, this to do. is the
1: thing. And I look at it in the frame of the the entire franchise and also what we know so far of Dial of Destiny because we know Sheila birth is not in the movie. Sheila birth has been long since expelled from the franchise. I think it's going to be referenced in yeah. the movie. That's, uh, I think Mutt will be acknowledged, but um, I don't quite know how. I've seen Not a Whisper of Marion in the trailer. I don't see her in the credits for the movie on IMDB at the moment, which would suggest to me that Karen Allen is not in this movie. So that being the case, we're not gonna see um we're not gonna see John Hurt in this movie. We are seeing Salah come back. So having not been in Crystal Skull, he's coming back for Dial of Destiny. But we've got no other continuity from this movie into yeah. Dial of Destiny. Which kind of leaves me in that position of this this movie doesn't need to. Be- Exist. No. You could, if if Dial of Destiny turns out to be a good movie, which I hope it does, I would be very happy to go. Look, there's a full movie franchise, and we can just forget Crystal Scarlet. It's not a movie that I would feel the need to watch again, even for the sake of completion. Yeah. I Think if I was going to do a full series rewatch, I would, you know, if I was doing it with someone who wanted to watch it, I would watch it and maybe do something else at the same time, but I would never want to watch this movie again i think is oh, kind of where i sit bad. on it and I, I i i yeah i realize i recognize the work that went into the movie i just think it yeah it just doesn't quite hit the buttons for me yeah. i like the music i love oh. the music
0: john williams has a great score i love you a bit of john williams is.
1: you can't not smile when you hear like, the indiana jones
0: theme but it does give me those little flashbacks do you
1: remember when we did superman and i talked about all the years that i spent playing second violin at the back of the school orchestra going to every john williams movie theme from the 80s and this is another one of those except it was so the rhythm was slightly different, so that's how I knew we were doing Indiana Jones rather than oh, Star Wars or any Superman or any of the others that I had the same note for. But um, it is it is a great theme. So Claire, yes,
0: how many crystal skulls would you give Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull?
1: I'm going to give it a two out of five. Wow, which is is low yeah but it but equally if you if you translate that into percentages to compare for example to Rotten Tomatoes you said the audience rating was what 52 percent 50 something um I'm going in at 40 53 percent 53 percent so I'm going in two out of five is 40 percent so it's not that much lower than the general public consensus um I did enjoy it on that second rewatch, but the fact that I had to be doing something else to enjoy it Mm. kind of says to me, it's not that great a movie in its own, but it's not terrible. This is not a one out of five movie. This is not a sub one out of five movie. And we have had a few of those. Um, This is not Mm. that it doesn't offend me. It doesn't upset me. I can tolerate Like if I'm with you and you said, should we watch it? I probably would, but, I would never want to put it on.
0: Where would you rank this out of? If you had to do your ranking for the Indiana Jones movie, where would this be?
1: Oh, fourth so far. Oh, okay. Without question. Without question. I would go um, Last Crusade, I think, is my favourite of the four. Mm -hmm. Then Raiders of the Lost Ark. Then Temple of Doom. Then Crystal Skull. Okay. But despite having ranked Temple of Doom low, Short Round is probably my favourite. Of his companions.
0: Yeah.
1: There were too many companions in this movie as well. Yeah. Sorry to go back when we're already on on scores, but that that was something that bothered me. I was like, there are so many people in this scene. And weirdly, with each movie, so in the first movie, he has one companion. In the second movie, he has two. In the third, he has three. In this one, he has four. I'm hoping they're going to break that trend for the fifth movie. Otherwise, I'm going to get so fucking confused. But yeah, four companions... Too, too many much companions. companions. That's too more much than companions. Doctor
0: Who had last season as well. Oh, my God. The, and that was um, a lot. That was a lot of companions. A lot, a um, lot of companions.
1: Yeah. So I th- I just think that it, it, yeah, it doesn't quite do it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about you? I know you like it more than I do, so I'm sure you're going to score it higher.
0: So I would give this movie, I've watched it a few times, and I really enjoy it. I think it's fun. I can switch off my brain with it. And I just think it's a great romp. You know, I just go along with the campness of it and how over the top it is. And I give it four out of five skulls.
1: Wow. Like,
0: like to be honest with you, I really like the Indiana Jones movies. Um, none, of the one, none of them in the franchise are lower than three for me. So, mm. like, so for my order would be Temple of Doom, Crystal Skull, Last Crusade, Raiders. Wow. Oh. So I'm kind of nearly the opposite of you. So it's kind yeah. of like I don't, I can't really, I th- I think I kind of like flinch at the religious stuff, in um the later few. But maybe that's
1: the appeal of the franchise, is yeah. that there's a bit of something for everyone in yeah. there. Maybe that's our takeaway, is that exactly. if you look at the bigger picture, there's there's something for all tastes in there. No, perhaps.
0: Exactly. That's oh, fine.
1: Wow. There we go. That's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull for you. I'm so glad I managed to resist having to say the entire title of the movie until this point. So many words, too many companions and too many words in the title. That's the problem with this movie. (laughs) Take a moment to rate us and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes and tell us what you thought of the movie. You can leave us a comment. You can email us on unlovedsequels at gmail.com and you can find us on all the socials at unlovedsequels.
0: And guys, thanks for tuning in every single time we release an episode and everybody who send us Recommendations and emails and suggestions for future episodes. We are working our way through the list. We are, have got the rest of the year planned out, but keep them coming. We are going to hopefully get round to everybody's recommendations and please stick with us. But until next time, it's goodbye from me, Michael.
1: And from me, Claire. Take care, guys. Bye. Grab the snake. Stop calling it that. It's a snake. What do you want me to call it? Hero. What? He grabbed the rope! Grab the the rope!